Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. It's Monday. We survived the weekend. Uh, we made it through. Continuing, of course, our good practice of social distancing. Episode 79 today. We touched on a number of issues on Friday, and there was a lot left on the table I wanted to share with you. Uh, first and foremost, this Dr. Anthony Fauci. He is just emerging, in my humble opinion, as an absolute hero, uh, someone who I am very keen to follow, whose advice I am uh, keen to take. I want to talk to you about some of his backstory, the organization he directs, and some of his behavior over the years, which really shows off, I think, the, uh, the outstanding person he is, the outstanding doctor and leader uh, he is. First, though, I want to say a couple thank yous. Thursday night, I donated blood. Remember I told you about that? And then on Friday, I put forth the challenge. I need some help. I want this program each day to be responsible for at least one unit of blood donated. And I, the, the way I was asking for your help is to make a confirmation. Uh, go on to either utahblood.org, that's the ARUP Blood Services website, or donate blood uh, via the redcrossblood.org website. Again, redcrossblood.org. Go to either one of those sites, type in your zip code, make an appointment, and then if you could screenshot the confirmation or at least send me a note via Facebook, uh, let me know that you have signed up. So uh, I'm going to extend that invitation again today. That's after some wonderful folks on Friday, Pam and Martin, Teresa and Nate. They all signed up on Friday to donate blood. So that's uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, Hoping to get at least one of you listening uh, to help me out with today. We just need to get one unit donated. So utahblood.org or redcrossblood.org, sign up, make an appointment, uh, and then shoot me uh, via my Facebook page, Lee Lonsberry, uh, a note saying that you've done that. And we'll uh, uh, write your name down. We'll keep track of things. I want to, uh, it's just a little effort of my own, and I'm looking for your help. I want to be responsible for at least one unit of donated blood uh, each day uh, for the duration of this coronavirus deal because the need remains. You know, there are still folks who uh, need transfusions for their conditions. There are folks who still uh, get into accidents. There are any number of reasons why an individual could be uh, benefited by your uh, blood donation. So you got to make sure that these services that provide uh, blood to the hospitals uh, maintain their own supplies. Redcrossblood.org or utahblood.org. Donate blood, tell me about it, uh, and we'll touch base on this again tomorrow. Right now, though, I want to talk to you about Anthony Fauci. 
He uh, is an absolute hero. He is currently the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. That is one of the, uh, I think almost, I think there are about 30 institutes or centers that make up the uh, National Institutes of Health, the NIH. And his is one of those uh, organizations within the NIH. He's been doing the job since 1984. Okay, Uh, do the math there. How many presidents is that he has served uh, underneath of both parties? It's a, a remarkable feat in public service service that I don't think many other folks uh, are able to claim. He has been serving again since 1984 to the present. Uh, he has only been preceded by four other individuals. Four other doctors have occupied the, the position of director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And he, having served 36 years, he outshines the rest of them by, uh, by decades. All right. Uh, there are four who have served before him. Only one of those has served for more than 10 years. He served 11. Uh, Anthony Fauci, 36 years in his position, uh, has been doing a lot. I, the other night I was having trouble sleeping and I watched this interview that Dr. Fauci granted a, a few years ago. Well, I'm sorry, it was just last year, early uh, last year, March of 2019. He sat down with that David Rubenstein, you know him? Uh, he's like a big money guy who also interviews. Anyway, some of the things that Dr. Fauci shared with uh, Mr. Rubenstein were absolutely fascinating. Much of it surrounding Fauci's work uh, with Ebola. So I kind of want to walk through some of the comments that he made. And at the end, I'll kind of tie it up and we'll move on into our uh, next segment. The Dr. Dr. Fauci uh, segues us into the, the next conversation very nicely, which is this uh, debate, whether or not we here in the state of Utah should be facing a stay-at-home order, which carries with it the threat of fine or imprisonment. We'll get there. But right now, Dr. Fauci, he was asked... Um, uh, who had uh, he was he was involved in the treating of patients who had Ebola uh, and came to the U.S. Uh, he explains uh, how he did that. Ebola is yet again another virus. It happens to be a particularly lethal virus. If left untreated, it has a high high rate of mortality. You know, depending upon how you get treated or cared for, it can be anywhere from sixty to up to ninety percent. It's spread by direct contact between an individual who is very sick and has body fluids that are easily contaminating the people who take care of them. It's highly lethal. It is now a major outbreak in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and it still is not under control. Now, so we're clear, that uh, is Dr. Fauci talking about Ebola. This is an interview he granted, segments of an interview he granted last year. I want to make our way to a a story he told just to show you uh, what kind of doctor he is and what kind of man he has. We're going to jump down to uh, audio cut number three, uh, where the interviewer went on to point out uh, and then asked Dr. Fauci about the protective gear he had to wear, that it almost looked like a spacesuit. This, again, uh, during the Ebola crisis. It's very difficult because they're very sick. So you have to take care of them under intensive care circumstances. And you have to put on literally a spacesuit to to protect every single square inch of your body from being exposed to the contaminating. Now, this is the part I want you to pay attention to. And we touched on this very briefly on Friday, but it's such an important point. And it's such an important and powerful example of what a good leader does and how a good leader thinks. If you did the math there in that last comment by Dr. Fauci, he was describing the protective gear that he had to wear as he interacted with Ebola patients. That means the director of this incredible organization, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the top man, he donned the suit 
and went to the front lines uh, and cared for patients directly. And now he was asked in that interview by Mr. Rubenstein, uh, he asked Dr. Fauci, wouldn't it have been easier to get a subordinate or someone below you who maybe isn't so valuable to do their work rather than you doing it yourself? Fauci responded this way. That was the exact reason why I did it, because we all knew that healthcare workers in Africa at the time were getting sick in large numbers and dying. 800 healthcare workers got infected in Africa during that outbreak, and 500 of them died. So I did not like the idea of asking my staff to put themselves at risk of getting infected if I wasn't willing to do it myself. I didn't like the idea of asking my staff to expose themselves if I wasn't willing to do it myself. That's what a leader does. You lead from the front. And Dr. Fauci's doing exactly that right now. I want to jump down to the last cut I have prepared for you. He uh, spoke to CNN's Anderson Cooper uh, the other night. Anderson asked, doesn't everyone have to be on the same page with this stuff? Uh, this has to do with the issue of some states uh, not issuing stay-at-home orders, which carry with them the force of, of law threatening a fine or imprisonment. Dr. Fauci on that topic had this to say. And I don't understand why that's not happening. As you said, you know, the tension between federally mandated versus states' rights to do what they want is something I don't want to get into. But if you look at what's going on in this country, I just don't understand why we're not doing that. We really should be. All right. So that brings up a, a complicated and controversial question. And we're going to get into it in the next segment. Right now, here in the state of Utah, there is no such statewide order which carries with it the threat of imprisonment or fine. Now, there are certain municipalities and counties, a, a number of them throughout the state, and the governor has said he will not stand in the way of those municipalities and counties handing down those orders. That's a bit of a change, uh, but we yet do not have something statewide. There are many who are calling for it to happen. I want to share with you some of my own thoughts next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.